Thank you, Zach. You know, I have a few slides, so if you're sitting on that section, you may not be able to see it. So if you'd like to, you don't have to, but if you'd like to, you can move over here and join this unruly crowd over here. <laughs> Watch out for Alfred there. He might uh, get you in a stranglehold. Well, good morning. Uh, it was really great to see uh, Danny graduate. Danny is, I think, headed to uh, Moore Park College, adding to the, uh, to the campus ministry there. And uh, it's exciting. Um, today is, or tomorrow is going to be Memorial, uh, Memorial Day. It's a day where we remember all of the people in your family, in your neighborhood, in your, uh, in your family group, in your Bible talk, in your ministry, even in your bedroom. The men and women who have took time out of their life to make a commitment to be willing to sacrifice themselves for the good of others. That's what Memorial Day is. It's for a time in their life they made a decision to decide, I am willing to lay it all on the line plus a GI Bill for my country. But the risk was high. For those that served during non-combat years, we were blessed. I was one of them. Although I did serve in the uh, the run-up to the Iraq War, the first one, then the, our unit got called back. It was a very short war. But many others have participated in the actual combat and war. And we have a few of them in, in this room. And we commend you, we honor you, and we will never forget your service to this country. You know, that's on the physical, secular sense. But there's another Memorial Day where one man came from heaven, where one God came down to become man from heaven, and laid it all on the line for all of us. And that is our spiritual Memorial Day. That is when Jesus went to the cross and sacrificed himself for you. And literally, not he went during combat, during a spiritual war, to rescue us who were down behind enemy lines. He came in and carried you out. That Memorial Day is very special to all of us, is it not? You know, Josh uh, Massey went to Norway a few weeks ago. Yeah. And uh, maybe the, the plug is probably not connected. And uh, Josh uh, went, flew from, uh, from LAX to, to Dallas to, um, to London to Norway. And he got there finally. He got there uh, on a visa. He is a Mexican national, but he's been here most of his life. And uh, he had to go get a Mexican passport. We're excited. Uh, they first told me all he needed was just, a, uh, just his, his, uh, his green card. But my wife's like, no, you better get your passport because I don't think they're going to let you in. And there was a little debate going on there. And we, we just deferred to Karen's wisdom and go check it out. He did, and he needed a passport. He got his brand new passport. Amen. And it was, all, it was very shiny, too. <laughs> so shiny that it, it really drew suspicion from the Norwegian government. They said that when he got there, and quickly the customs said, this is a very shiny passport. And he says, I don't know, what, is, what should it look like? I don't know. I never had a passport. They <laughs> said, is this real? And he was kind of joking, is this real? And Josh is like, I'm pretty sure I went to the consulate. And then they asked him to come into a back room where they interrogated Josh for six hours. Wow. Believing he was some kind of nefarious character entering the country on a fake passport. Now, he did arrive on the national holiday of the Norwegians. It was May 17th. And last year, they did have a terrorist attack that killed almost 90 people. 
So their suspicions were high on that day. Here comes this, you know, very happy guy saying, I'm here to, I'm here to help my church grow spiritually. And they're like, we don't believe in God here. What are you doing here? That was his experience. And then, uh, and then the Norwegians told me that he missed his flight. So for seven hours and six or six hours, I was wondering, where is Josh? I thought he was in Europe, maybe in London. Maybe he fell asleep in between flights. You know, college students do that. Uh, maybe Mrs. Fry, maybe something happened, and I, I was reluctant to call Connie. Yeah. You know, I was like, I, I better wait a few more hours to call her to let her know her son's missing in Europe. <laughs> so uh, I, I'm glad I waited, because on the fifth hour, I got the phone call from Ronnie Iterhus, who was the, uh, the minister evangelist there in the Norwegian church, that uh, they got held in customs. And he's okay, and he had to sign a document saying, I'm taking Josh into my custody. So he's safe and sound. I spoke to him a few days ago. He's doing great. He's so excited. Uh, he's just thrilled that he gets to share his faith with people that don't even know Jesus at all. I'm like, who? What, was, what is that guy? Who, who is he? God. What, what, very agnostic, very atheistic country. And uh, he's excited to be there. He's really thrilled to, to, to share his faith there. And he's doing really, the brothers are, are feeding him bread and cheese. He's doing great. <laughs> That's the staple food of the Norwegians. And he's there to give freedom. He's there to, to really spread the seeds of freedom to a country that does not know how to be free. You know, turn your Bibles with me in Luke chapter 1. The reason why Jesus came down was to give freedom for all people. All, foreign and domestic. Amen. It didn't matter what's your nationality, what's your marital status. Freedom was given for all who want it. And, in, and as Jesus began his ministry, you know, he grew up in a town that saw him day in, day out. They saw his parents. They saw him. And uh, this was the Messiah, though they did not know it. And one of the synagogues, when he starts his ministry, Jesus uh, listens in and, he, and he's asked to, to share something. And he goes up. And in Luke 14, verse 16, it says, He went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. It's a good thing to go to church. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Just think about that scroll being opened up. There's no chapters. There's no verses. How well do you know your Bible? Jesus knew where to go. Pull out the big scroll. He looked it over. He looked at, ver not this verse, but he looked at it in the section of the scroll. Here it was. He reads, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue was fastened on him. And he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I can't, I can't imagine the intensity of all the eyes looking at one person going, what did we just hear? And to make doubly sure they heard it, he said, today, this scripture is fulfilled. You know, the portion that he read was a messianic scripture about the Messiah. What's it going to be like? And he was living in their midst the whole time. 
What are the implications? Jesus is claiming to be the Messiah today. Amen. But is he your Messiah? Is he your Savior? You know, when you look at the word, you're looking at the Savior of the world. Is he your Savior? Or is he, he just a religious guy and you just go to a religious church every Sunday? Has he truly saved you? You know, the Messiah, one of his missions was to free people. Freeing us from anger. I don't know about you, but there's, a, there's anger in me. Sexual addictions. That was me too. Jealousy. Your pettiness. Your guilt. Your greed and your fears. You know, I had a cup of coffee with Dean this week. And one of the things, you know, that Dean uh, gets together, we were just talking about, he's, he's sharing about the great relationship he has with his dad. And, and I was just, I was kind of, I was humbled, I was, I was inspired, I was jealous, I was petty. I was always like, oh, why can't I have with my dad? Oh, I, I wish I can't have with A, B. And I had all these reasons why I'm not close to my dad. He's just sharing. The, I'm going, how did you get there? He's like, just, you know, it, didn't, it didn't get to where it's at until we had a conversation. And one of the things I had to, I had to confess to him was, I'm just scared of my dad. I'm scared, not in the sense of a physical scare to fear there, but of an emotional fear. I'm scared to, to have a, a deep conversation with him. I'm scared to tell him that his decisions, have, you know, not to blame him, but they, they have an effect on me. Even today, when we, when we want to see the grandkids, it's very hard to see them. Unless I, I have to make all the effort for that to happen. And I'm scared just to have that talk. Like, I need you to help. My kids want to know you. But I'm so scared of his reaction, his response. It just paralyzes me. So I asked Dean, I said, will you, will you keep following up with me? Will you, will you help me? Because I know we're having this conversation, but I know I'm going to get scared. I'm going to try to ignore you and avoid you. Don't we do that when we're scared? Of? We ignore and avoid. So I'm asking the church, I'm asking all of you, help me have courage. Pray for me. Ask me. You have my permission to ask me how I'm doing. I'm going to need everyone's help to overcome this. Now, the, the failures of, of, of what I experienced I, I, as a disciple... I make sure that I meet those emotional needs of my children. So in a sense, I went I, I able to change the, the, the symptoms, but my heart is still aching. You know, the, the scripture talks about there, there's joy and laughter, but the heart can still ache. Like I love being a dad, but my heart is still aching. And I'm just scared to have a conversation. And this scripture encourages me because Jesus came to free me from my greatest fears. My greatest fears. And that's what Memorial Day, the Salvation Day for all of us should be like. He's come to help you with your fears. To free us. As Martin Luther King once said, let freedom reign, right? Free at last, free at last, free at last. I can hear that guy all day. He is such an inspiring preacher. Even from the grave. Freedom for all. Point number two is freedom has responsibilities. You know, the church, 
If you look in your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, the church in, in the Corinth, Corinthians or the Corinth area was really a mess relationally. There was a lot and a lot of challenges when it came to the church. I, I bet you it's, the, it's just the connection of the wire there. He's going to sleep. I'm known to put people to sleep when I preach, so I totally understand. Uh, I totally understand uh, the computer's ailments there. You know, in, in, the, in the Corinthian church, brothers were divided. People were being heinously immoral, and there needed to be some discipline. Brothers were taking brothers to courts in litigation and lawsuits. Disciples were worldly. And there was an issue with food being sacrificed to idols. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul's kind of just kind of summing up, trying to help the disciples understand something. Yes, we are free. And we're, we, we can make whatever choice we want in our life. God has given us the freedom to choose. Amen. Good? Evil? He's given us the right to choose. And in chapter 10, he, he kind of gives a little bit of a history lesson of some of the choices that God's people has made in the past. Because there were some divisive tendencies in the Corinthian church. And in the beginning, he says, hey, you guys were baptized into Moses as you crossed the Red Sea. Of course, that's a foreshadow of our baptism into Christ. You know, as the waters washed away the Egyptian slaves, it washed away our sins. Yet God was not pleased with some of them. History of Israel of immorality. When uh, the golden bull, the golden calf was made by Aaron. When, when one of the Israelites brought a Moabite woman into his tent and, and had immorality right there in front of the assembly. Phineas came and ended that and the plague killed 23,000 of them. Then there was grumbling and complaining. And God sent snakes to bite the people. And they had to look at a bronze snake, which is another foreshadow of Jesus on the cross. They worshiped both God, went to synagogue, went to church, went to the festivals, but they also worshiped idols. He says, these should serve to us an example. Yes, we're free, but we have a responsibility. And then the, then the thought of, don't you think God is going to get jealous? Don't you remember the history? So in verse 23, I have a right to do anything, you say. It's kind of a disciple response to, to Paul there. But not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. No one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Eat anything sold in the marketplace without raising questions of conscience. For the Lord, for the earth is the Lord's and everything, everything in it. You know, the principle of freedom was to be regulated by the love for others. Just because I'm free, God says we got to be careful. Because it could hurt someone else. That's the principle. Activities that are not beneficial or constructive, or that don't promote the good of others, should be avoided. In this case, the, this person bought meat in the marketplace, and it wasn't an issue about where it came from. He just got it, and he took it home, and 
It was good. Good carne asada, right? No one could contaminate what God has made. God had made clean because God had made clean all the food um, that we eat. Now, if you want to be dietary and do that, it's great. If you want to go, you know, gluten free, that's awesome. I may not want to eat what you're eating, but I may bring my own snack, but you know where I'm getting at. Some of us have to by, by our physical ailments. Some of us have to do it by choice, which is awesome. Uh, I'm starting to eat a little healthier because I'm getting 40 and my memory is rapidly decreasing. So it's probably not helpful to go to Denny's and go to In-N-Out Burger and eat some of the things that I, I normally enjoy. I'm, I'm, I have to slow it down. Amen. Verse 27, if an unbeliever invites you to a meal and you want to go, isn't that encouraging when someone else invites you for hospitality? That's <laughs> pretty awesome. And you go and you eat whatever is put before you without raising questions of conscience. But if someone says to you, hey, this has been offered in sacrifice, then do not eat it, both for the sake of the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? Why do I have to lower my, my what I feel because of him? If I partake in the meal with thankfulness... Why am I denounced because of something I thank God for? So whatever you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews or Greek or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Follow my example, as I follow the example of Christ. You know, eating a meal with one brother doesn't it doesn't matter where it came from but to the other it does to the other it does you know the stronger ones should not look down on the on the ones who cannot the bible says to look after that person seeking the good of others philippians 2 is a great reference passage to that not not at my own interest but the interest of others becoming stumbling blocks and you might even not even know it so two things have to happen. The brother with, with, the, with the violated conscience, he's got to say something. Too many times, they don't say anything. So sometimes what I do is I ask, hey, bro, is this okay to have an alcoholic beverage in front of you? Is that cool with you? If it's not, tell me. Because sometimes I don't know. Amen. I don't know that a glass of wine will make someone struggle. I need to know. Because I can re easily refrain from that. That's not, for the sake of my brother, I don't have to drink it in front of you. Or certain kind of movies. You know, now it's like, hey, the only thing safe around here is like below G-rated. Man, even the connotations in those cartoons, in those animations, you're like, whoa, that's, that's for adults. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to make someone struggle before we go watch a movie together. Freedom, but not the freedom to hurt others spiritually. Because love trumps all. Love conquers all. So we have to be careful with each other, know each other, look out for each other, build each other up. Alcoholic struggles, movies that we watch. Sometimes just sometimes we can be annoying. Sometimes a brother that just likes, to, just likes the serenity of quiet conversation and then I annoy him. Like they just want to be, can we just be quiet? Can we just enjoy the moment? Do you have to always say something? I'm sure I've done that. Amen. i got to be careful. Because zeal is good, but zeal without knowledge is foolish. Amen. Freedom comes with responsibility. 
We love God and we love our neighbor. That's the principle here. We love God. Yes, and I love my neighbor. You know what? If, I, if it bothers him, hey, I'm willing to, to sustain from it here. Because I love God and I love my neighbor as myself. Why? Paul says, for the glory of God. Amen. For the glory of God. That's why we do it. Look in your Bibles in Galatians chapter 5. You know, Paul is, is writing a letter to the church in Galatia. And here's, there's a group of people called the Judaizers. They, they come into the fellowship. And they're trying to discredit the ministry of Paul about Jesus and grace. And they're proclaiming a false gospel. They're requiring the Christians to obey and submit to the law of Moses to be truly saved. We just came from the Old Testament. We came into Jesus. And they want to say, oh, okay, we have to, hey, amen, yet you love Jesus. But now we have to connect it with the Old and the law of Moses and this be one. And that involved circumcision. That was the identity, of physical identity of the God's people. The covenant that was made. And here are the group of people calling the Christians backwards into the Mosaic law. Going back from faith to legalism. Circumcision for disciples. Paul is saying it's no longer physical. It's a spiritual issue now of the heart. Amen. Yes, we are saved. If you're a disciple, you're saved to do good works. You're not saved because of good works. There's nothing we can do that would earn our right into heaven. But we are obligated to do good because we are saved. Amen. Faith and deeds. So in verse 1 of Galatians, he reads, We now, we have this freedom now because Christ made us free. So stand strong. Do not change and go back into the slavery of the law. Listen, I, Paul, tell you that if you go back to the law by being circumcised, Christ does you no good. Again, I warn every man, if you allow yourself to be circumcised, you must follow all the law. If you try to be made right with God through the law, your life with Christ is over. You have left God's grace. But we have the true hope that comes from being made right with God. And by the Spirit, we wait eagerly for this hope. He says turning to the law ruins your grace. Turning to the law obligates you to obey every last word of it. And the purpose of the law was to do one thing, expose our sinful nature. To expose us that we need a Savior. Turning to the law, he says, makes your life with Jesus over. Because you don't need him. Going backwards. Ever gone backwards spiritually? And how you handle your relationships? It's easier to pull back, right? Yeah. Safer there. Even with my dad, it's easier not to bring it up. It's easier just to hang out with my dad and just, you know, laugh and, and try to enjoy and not really have those kind of conversations. It's easier for me to stay there. Yeah. 
It's easy to counterattack, right? When you're hurt, counterattack. You hurt me, I'll hurt you more. You offend me, I'll offend you more. So on one part, we surrender. We pull back. We hide. On the other, we, other, other, other parts of us, we want to counterattack. You know, I don't counterattack with my dad. I counterattack with my wife. That's where it comes out. And resolving it from the heart. Because we have freedom. Resolving the hard issues. It's the hardest thing to do. You saw Roland's community was amazing. But it's hard. What scares you the most? What scares you? What frightens you? I know what frightens me. Throwing hand grenades didn't bother me. Firing rockets didn't bother me. Firing military weapons didn't scare me. Talking to my dad scares me. Going underwater scares me. Or else we can go backwards just becoming religious again. Coming to church. Having a, an intellectual belief in God. Just being religious. But really not living the life of a disciple anymore. We can do that too. Have you gone back to being religious? Have you forgotten who your Savior is? Are you just a religious person? Well, you have no intention of ever spreading the gospel of Jesus around. Your only intention is to make sure you're there on Sunday morning. Are you growing as a disciple? Are you growing emotionally, spiritually, in your relationship with God? Are you maturing? Do you seek His face, as the song said? Do you seek, do you hear His voice? And do you respond to his word? As, as, as Roland said, do we read it and then forget about it? You know, I remember as a disciple, I, I get asked, bro, what's your quiet time today? I'm like, it was like three in the afternoon. I'm like, I forgot it. That was a constant. Because I was reading it without the intention of remembering it. It was a checklist. I read my Bible today. I said a prayer today. And so if you ask me, I'm like, yeah, I had a quiet time, but I have no idea what I studied today. Because my heart really was not to intend to memorize it or to obey it. I just wanted someone to know I had one. And that's not, that's, that's not the point of a quiet time. The point of a quiet time is that God and you are having this great conversation and you're remembering it and you change because of it. That's the point of a quiet time. Because God has made you free. And how do we keep our freedom? Look in James chapter 1. This is the same scripture that, that Rowan uh, read to us. How do we keep our freedom? We got to focus on the words of Christ. Amen. You know, we love to look in the mirror physically, right, sisters? <laughs> and some brothers? Yeah. More of us should look into the mirror sometimes, huh? Yeah. You know, when brothers were younger, I guarantee they, 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 they had that, that, that medicine cabinet window. They would turn it open and check out the, the 360 view on the haircut. <laughs> we used to do that. We're married, three kids later, we don't even check anymore. We don't check what's growing out of here. We don't even check what's growing under there. We just let it go. Sometimes we need to look in the mirror. 
Because sometimes what's disgusting on the outside is truly disgusting what's on the inside. And the inside is what matters the most. Amen? If your ears and your nose hairs grow out. But what's most important is what's going on between your shoulder blades and in the crevices of your heart. What is in there? What is there that is keeping you in this slavery mode of fear, of insecurity, of doubt? What is in there? Now, the interesting, the interesting thing is God knows what's in there. You know what's in there. Sometimes you don't, but most of the time you do. And you're not connecting the two. God wants you to talk about what's in there. You know, I had, a, I had this really cool prayer this week. I just told God, just my attitudes. And I, I, I mean, before I prayed, I was like, I didn't want to pray. I was like, I don't even feel like praying. And then when I told God, I, I was afraid to tell God everything. I said, this is what I'm feeling. Afterwards, it was like a weight lifted off my chest. It's like, Man, God's going to do some awesome things with my attitudes. God's going to do awesome things. But the more real I am with God, the more my heart feels healthy. What I, what, I want, what I wanted to do was just have my nice ritualistic prayer. I prayed, and God is awesome. Confess a few sins. Thank God. Ask for God for a few things, and go along my day. We all do that. But my heart's still the same. Live. As for people, look in 1 Peter chapter 2, or else you want to look on the board there if you can see it. This is our life, right? This is where, where Peter is calling the Christians who are scattered out to the province of Asia. This is what he's telling them. You know, we're one of those churches. We're kind of on the outside frontier. We're not in the metropolitan area. We're around thousands of disciples. We're on the frontier. We're expanding upward. He says, live as free people. But do not use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Don't make an excuse to do something wrong. Live as servants of God. Show respect for all people. Love the brothers and sisters of God's family. Respect God. And honor the king. King being the emperor of Rome. Show respect. Show honor. That is our life. That is our calling. To be free. Don't hold any secrets. We teach our kids secrets make your heart sick. Just make your heart sick. So we, we have this thing in our family. We talk about secrets or make you make a heart sick. So we want our kids just to be able to tell us anything. without, uh, And we want to make sure that we don't freak out. Amen. The worst thing you do is freak out when your kid tells you something. That's right. You overreact and go, no, 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 no. And you grab, no. <laughs> it's a fear of us, right? It's that fear that gets exposed when our kids start telling us what's going on. My daughter's turning nine years old. Or she's nine, she's going to be... She's going to be going into fourth grade. And there are things that I'm going like, you know, we had a little, I had a little breakfast this morning with my, my, uh, my son and my daughter. Had a little breakfast. How's it going? Life. Talking about stuff. And, you know, just reminding them that I, I, have, I have to remind myself, whatever comes out, just be calm. Just be calm. Be spiritual. Love, love, love them. Love them. And it's an awesome thing. 
Because I really want to be free. I don't want to be held captive to fear. Amen. So God expects us to do good with our freedom. Amen? Amen? He also expects us to love the brothers. Yes, every brother. Amen. Yes, the unlovable brother. <laughs> every time I try to, he's like a cactus. Yes, love him. <laughs> love the sisters. But her hairdo is just like mine. It doesn't, doesn't feel right. Love the sisters. Love those who are religious and lost. They need love. Truth does not necessarily mean you love them. Loving them with your life. Convince them you care about them. Then they'll listen. You can tell pagans the truth. Religious people you love. And we got a lot of religious people in our area. They need love. And love God's family. Everyone here should have a responsibility to help raise those kids out there to, to one day want to become a disciple. Everyone should have that on their heart. It is not a single responsibility. It's not just the parents. It's the entire church is helping our children become disciples. Not judging them. Not, not exasperating them. But loving them. Every one of us, whether you're old and you've already had your children, you're responsible too. Because we are a family. Good, bad, weird, and all. We are one family. So let us, let us live with freedom. Let freedom reign. It's one of my favorite preachers ever. Martin Luther King. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. You know, I said that when I got married. <laughs> free from double dating. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. And let your hearts be free. Thank you. Amen.